0: Welcome to Out of Rotation, volleyball talk for players, coaches, and fans. Presented by the American Volleyball Network. Here's your host, University of Louisville Associate Head Coach Dan Meske. Hey
1: everybody, welcome to the podcast. My guest today, University of Marquette Head Volleyball Coach Ryan Tice. Coming off of an amazing 2022 season where they went 29-4, and 18-0, and at home, undefeated, and went to a Sweet 16. Ryan has had one heck of a volleyball coaching career, and he has had to grind to get jobs, to move up, to get his first head coaching job. He was an assistant coach at Florida before getting his first head coaching job at Ohio, and then he's been the head coach at Marquette for a number of years and had really, really impressive success there. I got to know Ryan on the recruiting trail, I can't even remember when, maybe 10 years ago, maybe 15, but what I think about when I think about Ryan is my conversations with him are always very real. He's just a very real and very humble guy, and that's part of the reason I started this podcast. I was having these fantastic conversations with people, and I just thought, man, I wish I would have known that 10 years ago. So this podcast is in particular for maybe up-and-coming coaches, maybe players that are thinking about making the transition into coaching. Ryan is just one of those people that will shoot you straight. He's got a lot of good dad jokes along the way, and I hope you enjoy our conversation in part one where we go over his journey in coaching and how he got himself in a position to be coaching one of the top programs in the country at Marquette. Here it is, part one, Ryan Tice.
0: And, um, my junior year is when I found out you could actually be a volleyball coach for a living, a friend of mine, Jeff Dow, uh, was like, hey, I'm going to go be a GA, and I was like, what's that? And so I said, well, I want to do that. So my uh, at the end of my junior year, I went into the women's coach, Kathy Litzow, who's now the SWA at Milwaukee. Her daughters have played volleyball, and I just said, I think I want to get into coaching. And she said, what do you want to do? And I said, I'll do whatever you want. So I came every day, went on every trip, and and did everything, and started coaching women right after that.
1: So what did she give you as far as you know? Say I'm in college right now, or I'm a young aspiring coach. Like, what was her? What was her advice for you as somebody that, Hey, you want to coach women's volleyball and you're playing on a men's club team right now. What did she say? How the heck do you crack into that?
0: Yeah. You know, I didn't, I didn't even know questions to ask. I mean, I was totally oblivious, you know? And so she said like, well, what do you, what do you want to do? I just said, well, you know, everything. And, you know, she's like, be it all the practice. Yeah. You know, and she'd travel. I was like, yeah. Uh, <laughs> And so I was like bringing men's club team practice players. She'd be like, Ooh, give me that guy. He was good. I want him to imitate this person. So I'm, I'm managing the club team. I'm player coach. I'm, I'm doing practices from 10 to midnight uh, on the men's side. That was our gym slot after they cut men's volleyball. And then, you know, I said, how do we plan practice? How does that work? And so I, I came into the office, they said, we'll come in, you know, an hour before tomorrow. And she talked to Susie about, you know, what we were going to work on. She was nine months pregnant, too, at the time oh, the, wow. when the preseason went. She actually had the baby during uh, preseason, and there was a part-time second assistant as well. And so we were just – I was just doing whatever whatever I was told. And then, you know, at the end of it, it was uh, – you know, I don't – Like looking on AVCA for jobs and sending a a terrible resume.
1: Well, that was going to be my next question. I mean, then you hop around to Northwestern, Indiana, Eastern Illinois. What's the hardest job to get? Or what's the biggest challenge? Because... I feel like a lot of coaches find themselves in that grind. I mean, what's the challenges in that grind area as a coach when you're just trying to get your foot in the door?
0: I think why I made it is like I I took a job that no one wanted. Like I think when I went to Eastern Eastern Illinois, it was fifteen thousand dollars, and it was the head coach's first time she had come from a JUCO. Is in Charleston, Illinois, which is a wonderful place to go to college. It's not a super fun place to be twenty two. Uh, years old and not supposed to be doing college things, you know, so there was like two applicants and the funny, I I asked, I didn't even have my degree. I applied. And I was like, if I get the job, I have to be a a volunteer this summer and take a 12 credit internship. I'm like, you don't have your degree. You put, you have your, your spring degree. And I was like, well, I'm done with all my classes, but I need the summer to be an internship. And they're like, who the hell is this guy? So I go (laughs) on the interview. And the only reason I got the job is there was a question on like, what happens if a player skips weights? And I guess the other candidate said, uh, this is Brenda Winkler, the head coach. She tells the story. The other guy said, you know, what's well, just not acceptable. You can't do that. Uh, you know, there's no way it should be in the program. And I said, well, I assume we have you know, something in our team book or some plan or policy in place that we would have a reasonable consequence, you know, so that it's it meets an expectation. And she said that was basically the the difference in in the two of us because neither of us had any qualifications uh, <laughs> for fifteen thousand dollars. Is that I was like, well, there should be a plan, right? We should have a plan in place. And uh, and so that I mean that was tough. I was in, applying for GA ships and sending resumes and just not even a single response. I didn't get a response at all.
1: Is that, is that something where you feel like you feel like your network's not big enough? Or, I mean, again, now this is before the world is so connected with email and all that. But when you kind of feel, I know that feeling of you feel like you're in a little bit of a silo and you just can't get that connection. Did you feel like you just didn't have a big enough network yet? Or why weren't you getting any responses? And um, But what got you out of that feeling? Because I know I talk to coaches a lot that feel like, man, how can I just establish that connection? And, again, that's the hardest, I think, the hardest jump to make. You know, what did you feel like did that for you to start getting some responses back?
0: Well, again, it was the only one I got, uh, but it was—I think it was just my my willingness to slave away for nothing at Milwaukee and do everything to help the women's program, an extremely respected program. Uh, Kathy and Susie, uh, over the last twenty-five years, have done really great things, and and you know, they just—they said he's great. He'll—he'll he'll do whatever. He'll—he'll he'll work hard, and so. It was, they, they had a connection, Kathy and and Susie knew Brenda from Illinois camp, oddly enough, because Brenda was champagne area and Kathy had, I think, done a GA ship with Don Harden at Illinois. And so there was a, you know, a a friend of a friend, right. And I worked really hard for the one friend and, and they helped get me a job, which is one of the reasons I think I've, I've been so passionate about Being an ABCA like mentor mentee and helping young people come in and because really it's just it's it's about getting that break and then
1: yeah well real quick as we're still on that there's one thing I want to ask too and I don't know if we'll get to it so again just putting myself in an assistant coach's position how do you navigate now in that in that position you're talking about you're making fifteen thousand dollars a year obviously the head coach sees that as an entry job you know I know a lot of coaches too that are in a position where they do kind of want to move up a little bit, but they also have a pretty good job, especially in their head coach's eyes, where they're in that assistant coach phase of how do I include my head coach for, I want them to go to bat for me because I would like to potentially move up for whatever it might be, whether it's money or they feel like it's a higher level. But I feel like that's a really, and for you as a head coach, I think it's a really good perspective. Like how do assistant coaches balance that with their head coach of, you don't want to offend them in the fact of like, Hey, I really want to look for some opportunities and I want you to help me with that. But I also love where I'm at. I know a lot of coaches that feel kind of in that mindset of how do I balance that with my head coach? How have you, how have you done that throughout your career? How have you seen assistance with you? Maybe even that you've understood where they're coming from and you can support them. I
0: actually used to call around and ask other assistants that were friends of mine. So you know, you talked about your network. Well, the first thing I did when I got to Eastern Illinois is I started meeting other assistants in the conference, other head coaches in the conference, and just trying to create some friendships. A couple of people who I'd played against uh, were now into college coaching, and so you, I'd call them and and see them recruiting or ask if they would go room with me. And you know, some of the, some of them with a little more experience than me, some of them with similar experiences to me, and. You know, what, uh, Dave Booz gave me a good comment one time. I think I think when I was either at Indiana or Northwestern, I think maybe Indiana, and it was, you know, hey, I'm talking about this job with the head coach, and I'm doing this, and he said, you know, if this one doesn't work, you better bag it for a year. You know, you just you can't you can't go to your head coach every three weeks and tell him about a job that you think is better, right, him or her. So, um, I would say choose wisely to those people of in terms of what you think you have shots at. Um, do a little bit of legwork in advance um, you know rj my old assistant was great about some head coach and assistant jobs and i would i would pick up the phone for him and and i'd call and go hey do you know who you're hiring you know I, i've got a guy who's pretty good um and if they had somebody who's hiring it, it got dropped he didn't he didn't keep coming back to me with that job five more times like are you, are you trying to leave so it's definitely a fine line of i'm happy you know but i i say you know communicate transparently. I, a lot of times I'm asking my assistants, like, is this something you're interested in? Yeah. Hey, this job is open. Um, you know, I'm I'll help in any way. Like I used to have to make Megan Keck talk to schools about being a head coach and she'd be like, I don't think I want to be a head coach. I was like, you have to, you have to talk to this AD. And that, that rarely went well with her.
1: (laughs) You were almost driving the boat for her. So, well, like you said, let's, let's roll right into those Indiana years. So the Eastern Illinois, to Indiana jump is probably that one we're talking about where then you're in the the big 10, you go Indiana to Northwestern. So take me through a little bit of that phase in your coaching career.
0: So I thought when I was at Eastern Illinois, Hey, I really want to go to a higher level program and, and be a second assistant and learn. And at at Eastern Illinois, it's not that I wasn't learning. I was, it's, you know, Brendan, I, uh, You know, got along great, and she would rely on me on a lot of volleyball stuff. I did a lot of scouting, or just as a player, um, you know, she had come from the JUCO ranks, like, here's how a servant pass worked at UW-Milwaukee, or here's something we did at Milwaukee. Um, And that was great, but I wanted to see how some higher-level programs were doing it. And again, I I think the reason I was able to make that huge jump from Eastern Illinois to a Big Ten school is there's a couple reasons. One, I knew the assistant that left, Dave Booz. Um, and he put in a good word for me and was an extremely hard worker for Katie Weissmiller, the head coach. And
1: and that's something you were talking about that you and Dave, maybe like you connected with him recruiting. And that's where that relationship started. Yep. He played at a club at Oshkosh. Okay. And
0: so when I was doing the club, he was a couple years older and ran a really good Oshkosh men's club team. Um, and he got into coaching kind of just before me, maybe two years before me. Uh, and so I kept that relationship, uh, and still have it. Um, and, So he's like, "Hey, this guy's comes from my background. Wisconsin club guy, ran his team, works really hard." And the other two, there's two other reasons I think I was able to get it. One is extremely late. I had actually gotten uh, offered Northern Arizona assistant job like the same week um, that that job opened, and and I actually got a U-Haul for I want to say like August sixth. And I, I had it booked for either Flagstaff, Arizona or Bloomington, Indiana. And I told her that on the interview, I said, I got, it's like August 3rd and season starts. I got to be there.
1: Yeah. You're talking really late. When you said August 6th, that was like, I thought we talked late, like July or June, even, I mean, August, that's insanely late.
0: I think I got there a day before season started. And so, and then uh, at the time, um, there was scuttlebutt about whether Katie was safe. Now she went on to coach, I think six, seven more years at Indiana, but it was, a, a, a tough job in terms of job stability, and it was really late, and I was 23 years old, and hey, I'll go work in the Big Ten. And so I would called some some older coaching friends that I had met over the last two to three years, even some head coaches. I remember Joylene Tracy. I called her. She's now the SWA at Wright State. She was the Wright State head coach at the time, and just said, "Hey, I'm weighing between these two jobs." And she said, if you want to be a head coach in the Midwest, go to the Big Ten.
1: Well, and like you said, 20, 23 years old, that U-Haul probably wasn't very big either. It was
0: no, a quick trip. No, I had like a I had like a bad, of crappy golf clubs. <laughs> uh yeah, an old couch that was in my parents' basement. It was rough. Nice. Uh so so yeah, so I showed up there and the first season went really well. And I thought it was because of me. Like I'm like, <laughs> man, I have really helped here. And I was just I learned so much. As my career got on, it had absolutely almost 0% to do with me. And then the next year, we we weren't as good. And I was like, oh, man, it must be the head coach. Yeah, right? It wasn't it can't you be anymore. Me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, and then, well, in the Big Ten, I did the same thing. I, I jumped on, I think, the assistant coaches committee um, met a lot of, you know, like, Sean Burdett was at Ohio State at the time. And and Dave was at Minnesota. And you know, there's still a lot of people that were assistants in the league um, Ann Cordes was at Illinois at the time and so I got to know all those people um, and Northwestern the the old assistant was um, my college roommate's fiance so she's like hey Ryan's doing great stuff in it so then they hired Jen who I didn't know who's now my wife um, she's the other assistant at Northwestern and and so her and Keeler kind of recruit me away uh, from Indiana to Northwestern and and there I am a recruiting coordinator at you know, 25 in the big 10 and, and in our second year at Northwestern, we, we break some records. So again, it's because I'm super good at my job, there right? You go. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's a, but, uh, again, continued to learn that no, it's really not because of me. There's just certain things that line up at certain times. So, yeah, I mean, I absolutely from 23 to 27 years old, uh, was in the big 10 as an assistant. Uh, the money then wasn't anything like it is now, but, um, Yeah. I learned a lot. I studied a lot of volleyball. I asked a million questions. I still ask a ton of questions. How are you doing this? Hey, I'm seeing this on video. What are you doing? And a lot of coaches will be really transparent with that stuff when you start talking about training. And, and, uh, that's when I kind of found my, my true passion of learning, you know, high level volleyball and how teams are doing and what they're doing it. I still,
1: that's why I'm doing this podcast too, is it's, it's really cool when you connect with people of, People just want to help each other. And in kind of explaining what we did or how we're doing it, we have to kind of start defending it. And wait, do I actually really think that that's the way that it should be done? And so the more that we talk and the more we connect, that was something early in my career I don't think I did nearly enough of. And that's probably why I find myself doing this podcast and really working hard to connect and reach out and continue to learn. Um, so yeah,
0: yeah. I was at a, um, a uh, like a college coach camp or something one of those recruiting combines and i was on a court with three other coaches and i think i had like beaten two of them in the, the year before either that or shortly after and i started asking all kinds of training questions and i'm going hey you're going inside out here what are you teaching in this okay it happened So and i'm asking all these questions and one of the guys comes up to me and he's like you know didn't you didn't you beat them and i was like yeah but you know i'm just interested in learning when I got back and I'd tell my staff some things that they're doing at this school and what I liked. And and uh, they said, like, why are you listening to them? I said, well, it's a good, good experience. And then they said, did they ask you any questions? And the answer was no, absolutely not. No, <laughs> one, no one cared about the way I coached anything.
1: It goes back to the point, too, of, like, that question is interesting because I find myself with that of, like, if we win, like, I go down that road of, like, what aren't we doing well? Because if you win, everybody has a tendency to be like, oh, we did everything right culture's good. The way we run this is good. Our slide is perfect. All that. And it's like winning almost covers up a lot where losing exposes it really quick. And then sometimes we go the opposite way. We think everything's wrong. We lost and now we got to change everything where maybe you were doing a lot of things, right? That's what keeps me up at night as a coach. I'll tell you, I'll tell you what,
0: we were, we were were super good at blocking at Ohio. And I got asked to do all these blocking presentations (laughs) and as such a good blocking coach, and then we at Marquette, we we went years of just being like sixth in the league, seventh in the league. Like we'd be winning, you know, we'd be it'd be us and Creighton, and then there's us and blocking, and we were really good at at passing. And so now I get asked to do all kinds of pass, like teach us how you do the passing stuff. And, yeah,
1: I love it. Um, well, let's keep moving. Uh, I want to get to your your Florida years quickly. Um, looking at your bio again 2008 I had to just I just have to know who this is and this might just be for me it says 2008 you guys landed the number one recruit in the country and I can't I'm so bad with eras. the only one I could think of is that Kelly Murphy or who's that who yes. is that okay because yep. I saw that Murphy, on there it, it, it didn't Ward. say it didn't say Kelly Murphy okay and Colleen Ward was the other one so a couple of Chicago <laughs> area kids now was that something you were coming from northwestern and those are two Chicago kids going out to Florida was that a previous connection that that helped with the recruiting or was Florida already kind of in on it And you were just kind of thrown into that. Cause I would think that recruiting process was probably starting a little bit before you got there or take me through that a little bit. Cause landing a number one recruit in the country, that's no small feat.
0: You know, I got the job in I want to say February and Mary was like, Hey, do you know this kid? think Lauren blood. this middle, and and I knew a a first Alliance kid, the the big time middle that went to uh, Penn state. Uh, She was supposed to go to Purdue and, So I was pretty tied into what Midwest kids were doing. Murphy and Ward were a little bit later than that. But there's no doubt, you know, when I got there, Mary loved Midwest mentality uh, of kids and players. And
1: Well, she's from there as well, right? Isn't she from Chicago? Yeah.
0: Yep, absolutely. And so, um, you know, I just kind of stayed pretty persistent with that group and that team, Um, you know, the seven evals that we were allowed to get. You know, one of them was – I think I went we were like Mississippi State and Ole Miss on a Friday Sunday and I left our Friday night match drove to Tulsa Oklahoma took a a 6 a.m. flight to watch their high school games in a Chicago tournament flew that night to where the team was Saturday night got hit got t-boned at an intersection and hit and ran it was awesome (laughs) Uh, and then ended up at the hotel and you know we played our our match the next day and then we traveled home and so i just continued to make any effort possible knowing that those guys were legit and they showed some early interest in in florida um and so we just kept with it and, and i got mary to go up to a, a practice that was pretty big in terms of the spry world as mary wise coming in the gym to watch kids and um so i mean again it's you know night you know 95 percent you know mary and the five percent you know my effort maybe helped out um but uh, no, it was cool. It was uh, it was fun to watch them. I never got to coach them, sadly. I took the head job at Ohio before I got to that, but that was uh, uh, a pretty cool pretty cool experience. She called me at like 11 at night on, I want to say, like a Friday. And I was like, oh, man, this can't be good. I <laughs> answered the phone and she's like, no, you did it. You got Kelly Murphy. She just committed. And I was like, oh, cool.
1: And that was back in the day when they were committing pretty young. So when you say you didn't coach them, I mean, she might have been a freshman when she committed. That was when it wasn't really out of the ordinary for those younger younger recruits. Um, So from Florida to Ohio, um, I actually, I don't know if I told you this, but that Ohio job that you got, I think I was actively applying for that job. I went to Ohio State, Ohio. I was trying like, heck, when you're talking about not getting a call back, I didn't get a call back for that Ohio job. But again, I really think from you, one of the things that's most interesting is just administrative connections and just those relationships and all that. So, again, I'm super intrigued by the assistant coach to that first head coaching job. Now, when you talk about Ohio, earlier you said, I'm taking the jobs people don't want and this and that. The MAC was on fire back then. So, I mean, Ohio, I mean, you were going second round within a couple years. I mean, that's a pretty legit first head coaching job. So what was the process of that? What do you think helped you put, put you in a really good position going from? Obviously, Florida is a fantastic program. That's a top assistant job. But it's still hard to go from assistant to that first head coaching job. So how did that go down with Ohio?
0: Well, I mean, it's something to recognize is, you know, I was not their first choice, second choice, <laughs> third choice. I mean, really, they exhausted a lot of options before it got to me. And I can name their first, second, and third choices and people who I know that they tried to go after that said no. You know, I think it's the it was the Midwest ties and Big Ten experience Right. And then and then, you know, Mary Wise at Florida, you had to have learned something. Right. And so I was twenty nine. One of the reasons I didn't think they wanted to hire me. And they even said after the fact is like, does this young guy really know what he's doing? You know, they, they were concerned. Hey, we don't have Florida money. I said, listen, I came from eastern Illinois. I You know, I've been I, I, I understand we don't have an unlimited budget, um, but I took it. I, I mean, I took it guns blazing. Like I got to meet every booster and the alumni band and I got to meet all these people. And I probably in some ways was too aggressive, um, and always wanted to hear yeses from administrators. And if something wasn't the way I wanted, I probably didn't act the way I, I if I had to do it over again, I probably would have been a little bit softer, nicer understanding. Um, got in a couple of arguments in my first years that probably perceived me as pretty difficult. Uh, um, but uh, we got through that, and, you know, I kind of, in years five and six, when things were really rolling, you know, I, we inherited a, a kid that backed out of a, a good junior class and then underclassmen that had transferred out, backed out of an NI, NLI, you know, so it was it was hard, and I, I just put a lot of pressure on my plate that Je- Jeff Carlson had made it a really, really high-level program, and I, I just, I didn't want to blow it, yeah. um, and so I was probably a little difficult.
1: Yeah. That's refreshing to hear, though, because I think sometimes just admitting, like, the pressure of, like, I don't want to blow it. Like, coaches feel that. Like, players feel that. And we try to help them through it. And it's like, well, we we get that because we get that feeling sometimes, too. So yeah. real quick on that, was that, as you're getting that job, you said you weren't their first joy, second, third. They're working their way down. Again, in those situations, is that where you're directly talking to the SWA, you're emailing the AD, you're trying to get their number? Are you like, hey, Mary, can you call and check in on this?
0: Yeah, well, I had a couple of things going on, too, that probably helped as distractions. I mean, I, I've been involved in things where you're just, like, literally waiting by your phone. This was not that case. Uh, my wife was uh, nine months pregnant, and uh, the Dayton job had come open as well, and I was in some communication with them. So it's kind of this this of new baby is about to show up. I'm talking to two schools. Yeah. The first ohio one was but you know i hadn't heard much hadn't heard much and then it's hey we want to talk to you on the phone right so okay boom uh, you know like great i got an interview now what you didn't know as a first-time head coach is the first time head coaches they probably had already talked to seven or eight people and gotten some no's but maybe my name came up a couple of times and so i get the phone interview mary had called um but uh it, the funniest part was i i completely the phone interview went horrible i accidentally <laughs> gave them the wrong
1: number and your phone number. Yeah. So
0: I'm like on my cell in communication and they call my office so I can sit on speakerphone and I gave them the wrong like (laughs) office number and they're like, Hey, we tried this. And so they call my phone. We start like 20 minutes late because I screwed it up and I was kind of like, oh yeah, I don't know what would have happened there. But like, I was like, oh, this is all my fault. Jeez. Uh,
1: no, they were like, this guy feels like a head coach. Like he may be an assistant, yeah, but he's acting yeah. like, Hey, he doesn't know no technology. He doesn't know yeah, his own number. Yeah. This guy's perfect. He's yeah. ready
0: for head coach. He's, he's, he is older than 29. Oh uh, and then, You know, we, we got through that and I interviewed and, and, um, and they brought a three on and I, I knew who they were. Um, cause it just had gotten back to me from maybe an old assistant there or something like that. Um, and I didn't hear back and we induced labor. And I told Jen, it doesn't sound like it's happening. You know, all three interviewed, I haven't heard back in three days. And it turned out, you know, I hadn't heard back in three days because they had offered someone that then turned it down. So they called me back and I'm, I'm in the hospital after Jen had given birth and they just said, hey, we want to bring you back on a second interview. And I said, okay, well, <laughs> I, I just had a baby. I was just there <laughs> are you are you bringing multiple people in for second interviews? Like am I going to come up there and not get this job again? Cuz I'm pretty sure my wife will kill me and they said right now you're the only one bringing back or coming back. And so I went back and it was that I had botched one of the answers then the team didn't like it.
1: So the team, um, Oh, so you met with the team on that interview? I know sometimes they do that. Yeah. So they sat you down yep, with the team. Yep. Oh man. So what did do you remember what you botched?
0: I botched, um, I said that when we're doing a sixes drill and somebody does something wrong, I don't like to stop the drill every time I want to talk to a player. I want to insert somebody for you and keep the drill moving while I while I talk to you and then insert you back in. And I, I don't know if you know, amongst 18 to 20 year olds that was misconstrued on kick me out of a drill or wait, the drill's gonna and so the AD told me that I needed to to work through that with the team and basically seek their approval so we can hire you. You're the one God. we want to hire now, but the team's got to like you or they're going to be nervous. So I met, I met with either the team again or three of them and, you know, just said, Hey, what, what questions do you guys have the second time around? And they asked, can you re-explain that? And I re-explained that. And they're like, Oh, okay, that makes sense. But yeah. I remember I, they, they didn't like that one.
1: Well in the rearview mirror of knowing Ohio was a success, you guys crushed it there. That question, if you went back to that, I mean, was that silly or was the, is that really important? Because I know there's been some hires where, like, the team's like, I'm not so sure. Like, but then the team loves them. It's like, I mean, an interview is just such a quick first impression. It could be wrong. When you look back on that, are you like, I'm glad we did that? Or was it like, it was the administration, I don't want to say in the right, but was did, were they worried too much about what the team thought? But again, it's a really strong program. So I get where they're coming from that the team really does matter. I mean, you're coming into a successful program. I'm just curious in hindsight what you think of that of bringing you back after you just had a kid literally to get the team to like you
0: right i think that when you went down the rabbit hole of involving the team in the search in multiple ways like interviewing as a group and sitting in on the administrative round tables and i think part of the reason they were doing that is because they didn't want kids to transfer out they wanted them to feel That's bought in point. they want you know and so they went down that rabbit hole and so the way they did it i think that was the appropriate Appropriate thing to do is like, Hey, we, we've kind of gone all in yeah. on team support here. So you better go get it.
1: That's a good point. So, well, let's keep rolling on to, uh, Marquette here. Um, talk to me about last season. What made that so special?
0: It was a totally new group. Um, we graduated, I think the numbers were 68% of our offense and both setters. So 68% of our kill and my entire staff was all new. So, wow. um, so in january we got together and said this is the roster and i think this is what we can do and our setter can push the tempo and we can create a whole lot of stress um i had i had been to a penn state men's practice and ultimately brought the penn state men's assistant uh, and learned some things they were doing at the net to to create stress and pressure on opponents and uh whether it's out of system or in system game and how to how to, how to coach it and how to do it and I said, I, th- I think this roster, you know, Penn State men, they just lost in five to, to go to the national championship, but they're they're small. They're one of the smaller mm-hmm. men's teams out there and three years of success in a style and system. And I thought our roster emulated that um, as close as it could compared to national women's teams. And, I mean, we're not big at all. Um, and we're not going to block a ton of people at all. We get touches, and like you said, you've seen improvement in blocking, but we don't block two and a half balls a game.
1: Well, you talked about um, a brand new staff before the 2022 season, which was a super successful season to have all those new players and all those new coaches. I know you said there were some system changes, but I'm just curious from anything else around the program that you felt like that was an opportunity to like the number one thing we had to get back to was this because this is what was really helping us. And we have all these new people or this is a great opportunity to change or evolve this because we've got all new people.
0: I would say the second one, like, Hey, we want to go down this road. I think we need to go down this road, the speed of offense, the secondary style, you know, defensively. I think we need to do this. We're all in it together. Um, and I remember the, the first meeting when the staff was leaving, you know, so season ends and we go in a room and, you know, I said, uh, seniors thank you da 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 here's your logistics seniors leave okay (laughs) guys they're gone um megan's got to tell you something and it was i'm leaving and i went okay megan you're dismissed and she's been 14 years she was essentially my work wife yeah um you know and rj has something to say hey i'm getting out of coaching and you know you're dismissed and so they go hang out in the hallway with the seniors and are hugging and oh thank you guys for sticking out my career and and I'm in front of the team. I'm like, guys, I, I knew this was coming during COVID. These guys told me this was going to be their last year. I have one assistant already in place. The other one's going to be coming. I said, but you you got to understand, you were all here because I asked you to come. And you loved Megan and RJ, and I, I hired them. Okay, So I know in our world, you think I do absolutely nothing right, right, <laughs> like my wife. Like you... Ryan is the dumb guy who just, we laugh at with his dad jokes. And I said, I get that, but just realize I, I've got this. Like, I, I I know what I'm doing. Trust me just a little bit, please. And they kind of smiled and laughed and said, okay, we trust you. I said, we got two transfers coming in. We got this and it will come one at a time. And I will make sure we are all on the same page. So it was, it was just really fun. And then the thing, you know, speed of offense and hitting off hands and, that stuff's fun to learn, right? So new fun assistant comes and learn this new stuff and two new players come. And it was just really, really fun. And I I thought we'd be okay, but, you know, we didn't know until we, we rolled the ball out against Kentucky the first match. Thanks for listening to Out of Rotation with your host, Dan Meske, presented by the American Volleyball Network. Until next time, come on, don't give them any free points. Always stay in Rotation.